0: In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. For all the kids and teens up through the 12th grade, including those who are graduating, please come forward. (laughs)
1: How's everyone? Good. Okay,
0: so we've got like, well, eight here, nine seniors graduating high school. And this is Holy Trinity Sunday, so before you can actually graduate, you've got to define the fullness and the exact definition of what the Holy Trinity is. No? That's even difficult for me. I tell you what, though, I have believed God is one all my life. I have believed God is one, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, all my life. The church has believed God is one, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit for 2,000 years. Even before the Council of Nicaea in 325, the church was talking about it in the Apostolic Age. It's in the scripture, it's in the Old Testament. Evidence of the, of the trinity. The, God uses the word we in heaven. And we just read from Proverbs, wisdom, the Holy Spirit was there with God when he created everything. It's hard to explain. One God. We believe in one God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, Father, I, I like to think of it as this way. You've heard me say this before. But before anything was created, there was God the first and second and third persons of the Trinity, right? And God is, is pure love, and love exchanges with one another because if you keep love for yourself, it just dies and rots. But, but, but so love was being exchanged between what we now call the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it was like a divine dance in heaven, just fl- that love flowing from one person to the next, to the next, and it was so great that it just overflowed into creating. And that's why we are here because God's love is so great. And God the Father, who has always been sent God the Son who has always been in the second person of the Trinity so that he might reveal the fullness of God to us as we find it in scripture. And then when the Son ascended into heaven, he sent the fullness of God, God the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, down into each of our lives, into our hearts, into our minds, into our souls, to lead us and guide us into walking with God the rest of our lives. That's all I can say about the Trinity. There's a whole lot more that God knows that we don't know. And that the early church fathers talked about and the words they used and all the, uh, even the symbolism they used. But I've believed it all my life. And God has never failed me yet. So happy Trinity Sunday. And, um, we, oh, there are no packets. <laughs> <laughs> well, I probably don't need any. Okay, thank you for coming. Then we're going to call the graduates up right after the announcements to to say some words. Thank you all for being here.
1: Deacon Jennifer, you're up. I'm up. That's religious sports, my turn. First of all, guys, you won't need packets, okay? I won't be that long. And second of all, thank you for getting me out of that one. (laughs) Good morning and welcome to Trinity Sunday. Every year, the church, with a capital C, proclaims after Pentecost that there is a Trinity and that this Trinity consists of three persons the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in a single God. Understanding of the Trinity comes through the work of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, it is appropriate that this mystery is celebrated the first Sunday after Pentecost when the outpouring of the Holy Spirit first occurred. And every year, people are taught once again that this mystery is a fact, whether or not we comprehend it. And in this way, we're a lot like the apostles. We have a lot of truth swirling around in our heads that, to be quite honest, just don't add up. So we make up analogies that sustain us for a while, but then they grow thin. Things like God is like water in three parts, or God is like an apple in three parts, or God is like a man who is a father and a son and a husband. But as we get older, we realize God is not really like any of those things. He's an enigma that we think we can almost grasp, but no, not quite. What are we to do with this? Most of us, most of the time, just accept it and move on. We understand that we can't understand, and we're okay with that. Many ancient fathers, with a lot more understanding than we have, have said it is so, and that's good enough for us. They surely knew what they were talking about, didn't they? But deep down in our minds, don't we still wonder just a little bit how it can be? The Trinitarian concept is not the only thing that we struggle with, though. Truth be told, It's probably one thing we can leave aside quickly in our contemplation of truth. Most of us struggle with just trying to find out what Jesus was talking about in all of his parables and his teachings. And that's probably enough to think about right there. So it was with the apostles. As Jesus stood there in our gospel today, speaking truth into them, they could not get it. And I have to confess, I've always thought that they were sort of dim in general. But I have to correct my thinking. They weren't dim. Uneducated, maybe. But they had been with Jesus three years They were a lot sharper than they had been at the beginning. And I think they probably got it a lot more than I would have had I been there with them from the beginning. So, remind me to apologize to them when I see them in heaven. As we read today's lesson, Jesus had brought his disciples as far as they could go. His time had come, and though it looked as if he was going to be cut off abruptly by his death, the truth was that he had told them all that the Father had sent him to say. His teaching time was over. Redemption time was at hand. He could not stay any longer because he could not redeem all of us without his life being poured out as an offering for all mankind. And we so desperately needed that. And that time had come. But he knew it would be okay. He knew they would gather more understanding. He knew that a new time for them was ahead. Not a time of more basic knowledge, but one of new revelations of that basic knowledge that he had given them. And these new revelations would come through the Holy Spirit. It would be the Spirit who would come and make known to them more about what Jesus meant in his teachings. The apostles would move into the advanced class and understand better what Jesus had imparted to them. As one sermon writer put it, Jesus, as the wise physician, knew their spiritual eyes were diseased. He knew the old ways they had followed for so long were being done away with. He knew the prejudices of their religious background. He knew the weight of those heavy traditions that they had grown up with. He knew their mental habits and their education that would barricade against any changes. But as the wise doctor, he also knew that once the healing of those diseased spiritual eyes had begun, he could not throw full light at their newly restored eyes all at once. So what he had given them in his three years was just a sliver of light. Now the Holy Spirit would come and gradually pull back curtains and open up shutters to drive out more darkness. The Spirit would give them new understanding of the unchanging truth. And there would come even more light, even more revelation as they were able to grasp it. And so it is with us. 2,000 years later. Our first encounter with Jesus is never the full truth all at once. We can only see dimly, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians. Our faces are covered with sin's dirt. Our eyes are blinded by the darkness. But as the Holy Spirit comes to us and begins the cleansing process... Dirt and dark are gradually washed away, and we are left with a clearer vision of Jesus. And as we ask for more and more wisdom about him, the Holy Spirit adds to that light. Or he doesn't, if we choose to shield our eyes from that light, not wanting more, but delighting in the murkiness that we want to think of as full vision. The choice is ours. We go back to the Romans passage and see that Paul knew some would want to stay in that murkiness, in that near-shadows knowledge of God. But he encouraged the people to go further. He encouraged and urged them to want more. He reminded them that it's not what we are in ourselves, but who we are in Christ that matters. He told them again how we have this grace through what Jesus did for us so that we can boast, not in ourselves and our achievements, but in the promised hope that we will be able to share ourselves with God as he shares himself with us. And we can also boast in the love that God has given us that sustains us always, so that any suffering we have becomes for our good. Through that suffering, we learn to endure it all as we lean into Jesus. We stay in God's light, and we don't try to make our own. And as we learn to endure more and more, our character is built. We become more and more the person that God created us to be, one whose image is the reflection of Christ's image. And as we thrive in the sufferings, And as we endure more and more, the character we now possess fuels our hope, the hope Paul spoke of at the first, the hope that brings us into the glory of God himself. In this, we are not disappointed. We will not come to that glory and say to God, is that all there is? Is this what I pressed on toward? This wasn't worth it. No. The glory will astound us. This glory will overwhelm us. This glory will never grow old and never stop surprising us. And all of that will be possible because of the gift of the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that Jesus promised he would send to his apostles on their last night together. The same spirit who rushed into the upper room and pushed the apostles out into the world to surprise it with the confession of Jesus Christ as the Messiah, as the Savior of that world. The same Holy Spirit who pours that fire Of the love and the peace and the wisdom of God into us. So I tell you, drink deeply of that love. Let it become your foundation and your strength. Fill your parched soul with that peace. Let it become your cool river running through your life. And revel in that wisdom. Let it guide your steps in the footprints of Jesus. So I give you this challenge to add to the Pentecost challenge which Father Stan gave you last week. Be on fire and ask more of the Holy Spirit. Ask him to remove more of the disease from your eyes. Ask him to continue to cleanse them and shed more light, more understanding, more wisdom into your spirit, into your soul. Ask him and do not be afraid to keep asking for more and more and more. Because with more light shining through, You will be able to see God more clearly, to love Him more dearly, and to follow Him more nearly day by day. Hmm. You know, someone should write a song about that. You think?